your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 450 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And the Rangers coming off of what can really only be described as a total gut punch, 3-2 overtime loss to the visiting Dallas Stars last night, a game that... You know, the Rangers seemed to kind of seize control from about the five-minute mark in the second period. I thought the Rangers largely dominated this game the rest of the way, once again, from five minutes into the second period right until the end. Of course, you get into overtime. It's three-on-three. Three, it's a total crapshoot. All it takes is one opportunity one way or the other, and the Dallas Stars able to convert in overtime and uh, kind of steal this win from the Rangers. I would say they stole the win because even though the Stars had a 2 nothing lead early, like I said, I think for the vast majority of this game, maybe not the vast majority, but the majority of this game, the Rangers had the better of play. I thought they deserved two points. Unfortunately, it just did not work out that way. A lot to talk about here in this episode. Uh, one thing that I tweeted before the game got underway last night, look, I realize it's only game number two out of 82, so there's no way that anyone could possibly call this a must win. But when you consider everything that's happened to the Rangers over these past couple of days, basically it just has not been a banner three or four days for this New York Ranger franchise. You've got all the drama with Vitaly Kravtsov. You've got a situation where the Rangers failed to name a captain, which wouldn't be such a big deal if not for the fact that they, as an organization, identified it as an offseason priority. So that's not necessarily the best look either. You've got some really questionable lineup decisions on night one against the Washington Capitals, and then you've got opening night itself in which the Rangers were pretty soundly outplayed by the Washington Caps in a 5-1 to loss. So you come into this game, second game of a back-to-back, you've got your A goalie, you've got your starting goalie, your franchise goalie in net for your team. You've got what I would say was probably overall a more, you know, high-powered lineup. I mean, there weren't necessarily, you know, crazy changes up and down the lineup, but you've got Julian Gauthier in the lineup and you've got Niels Lundqvist in the lineup. And so you just kind of liked your chances of scoring a couple more goals in last night's game, which of course they did. They ended up with two goals, but yeah, I mean, just disappointing to be sitting here and not able to talk about a win two games into the season. Rangers will be back in action on Saturday against the Montreal Canadiens, who are still searching for their first win as well. But I figure, you know, we'll kind of go through some talking points of everything that happened in this game last night. Uh, for starters, you had all the uh, pregame festivities, you know, the player introductions, the coach introductions. They had a really, really nice tribute to Rod Gilbert, who, of course, uh, passed away during the offseason. His wife was out there to drop the ceremonial puck, you know, the ceremonial opening face-off. So that was really nice as well. I was kind of in and out of the living room while all these things were happening. You know, it was kind of a scramble getting home from work and getting set up and, you know, making sure I'm in place, basically, to uh, watch this game when it starts. But from what I saw, the player introductions were really nice as well. I thought something that was really cool 
is that, you know, they introduce everybody on the staff as well. And Jim Ramsey and Benoit Allaire, obviously both those guys have been with the New York Ranger franchise for many, many, many years. The crowd gave both of them a pretty nice hand there. So I thought that was pretty cool to see as well. And your usual suspects, I mean, Mika Zibanejad got a big hand. He might have gotten the loudest pop from the crowd uh, of any player during these pregame introductions. And part of that might be uh, almost as a thank you, you know, for signing that contract, staying here with this New York Ranger team. And maybe some people are thinking about it the way that we kind of think about it on this podcast podcast that Mika Zibanejad gave the Rangers a little bit of a break, signed for $8.5 million per season. I mean, listen, that's still a heck of a salary. He's doing quite well for himself, but like we've talked about in the past, if Mika wanted to play hardball, I think maybe he would have been able to squeeze a few more dollars out of the New York Rangers. But yeah, I mean, really, really nice to see all these players get really warm welcomes from the Madison Square Garden faithful, and nice to start a season with, you know, a full house at MSG. And as far as the line combinations in this game, it was pretty much the same as what we saw on opening night, minus a couple of changes that were necessitated, first and foremost, by a lower body injury to Sammy Blay. He missed this game as considered day-to-day. Obviously, we'll hope to get him back sooner rather than later. He had a really strong preseason and a pretty eventful opening night against the Washington Capitals as well. But Blay was not available last night, and that meant that Julian Gauthier slid into the lineup and played on the third line on the right wing that moved Barclay Goodrow over to the left wing and Philip Heedle was still centering the third line. I get the feeling that had Sammy Blay been able to play in this game, we probably would have seen Julian Gauthier sub into the lineup over Dryden Hunt. That seems like the most logical lineup that the Rangers could have probably put out there last night if everybody was healthy. But the fourth line for last night then was Kevin Rooney centering Dryden Hunt and Ryan Reeves. And of course, you got Igor Shesterkin in the lineup and Niels Lundqvist making his NHL debut. The only change on the blue line was Niels Lundqvist subbing in for Jared Tenorti, who was a healthy scratch. And Lundqvist played alongside Patrick Nemeth. I thought overall, Lundqvist had a pretty solid night for himself. Uh, there was an instance that led to a goal for the Dallas Stars. Nemeth basically made a pass. You know, they were in the neutral zone, pass it to his left to Nils Lundqvist. Lundqvist couldn't quite handle the pass, and the next thing you know, it's an odd man rush for the Stars. Uh, Nemeth got back, went down to his stomach, tried to break up the pass, but the Stars are able to score on that opportunity. So uh, a little bit of a hiccup there for Lundqvist. Wasn't necessarily the best pass in the world either, but I think one that Lundqvist would tell you that he probably should have been able to handle, and unfortunately, it led to a goal. But besides that, I thought Lundqvist, like I said, had a pretty solid night for himself. One thing that I thought was pretty intriguing is that you had a second power play unit that featured Nils Lundqvist and the Rangers went with a second power play unit that did not include Jacob Truba. So Truba, nowhere to be found on the man advantage, which is a little surprising. But then again, when you look at some of the forwards that were out there on the second power play unit, you know, you had Alexi Lafreniere, you had Capo Caco, you had Philip Heedle, you had Julian Gauthier, who was probably subbing in for Sammy Blay, although who knows, you could probably make a case for either one of them to be out there on the man advantage. But it kind of leaves Truba as the odd man out. I don't know who on that power play unit I would remove from the ice to include Truba out there. I mean, you could make a case to put Truba on the power play, but no issues with what the Rangers did here in last night's game. But getting back to Lundqvist, he ends up with 14 minutes and 19 seconds of ice time in his NHL debut. That was the fewest of any of the Ranger defensemen, but certainly that was to be expected. You got a kid making his debut, and there's certainly some guys that are a little bit ahead of him in the pecking order, at least so far. He also played two minutes and nine seconds on the man advantage, was a minus one overall, had one shot on goal, one hit, three blocked shots, and one giveaway. So overall, like I said, pretty solid debut for Nils Lundqvist, and I'd be surprised if they don't roll with him going forward for the foreseeable future. Like I said on the opening night, 
podcast episode. I think that if you're going up against a big, tough, nasty physical team, there is something of a case to be made for Jared Tenorti to be out there. But, you know, you look around this Ranger lineup, it's not like they're starred for size and toughness if Jared Tenorti is not in the lineup. I mean, you've got, obviously, Ryan Reeves. You've got Barclay Goodrow. You've got Dryden Hunt on nights that he's going to be dressed. So I don't know that it's 100% necessary to always have Jared Tenorti out there against every single team that you think that there could be a fight or something like that. I think Nils Lundqvist obviously has far, far more upside than Jared Tenorti. He's somebody that the Rangers believe is a big part of their future, and I think the best way to get him acclimated to the NHL is to play him pretty much night in and night out. There could be the odd exception every once in a while where you throw Jared Tenorti out there, but I think for the most part, you got to roll with Nils Lundqvist. If he's going to be on your NHL roster, then it doesn't do him a whole lot of good to watch in the press box. So uh, assuming he stays with the Rangers for the entire season, let me see Nils Lundqvist out there for the vast majority of the game. So we'll continue talking about everything that happened in last night's game in just a second here. But first... I just wanted to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. You got coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. You know what my favorite flavor is? It is mint brownie because brownies are awesome and these are healthy. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they are healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, just wanted to thank you guys again for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms and just want to keep things rolling with kind of a random thought here and then we'll go to the big overtime finish and kind of break down everything that happened on that play. But going into this game last night, you know, just a couple of minutes before the puck dropped, I had a thought that just kind of popped into my head and maybe it did for some of you as well, but I just thought that it was really, really nice to finally be playing a completely random team like the Dallas Stars because obviously, I mean, first and foremost, it's a sign that things are finally starting to get back to normal a little bit in the world at large. And obviously, teams can travel a lot easier and play everybody in the NHL rather than just their division opponents. And, you know, given that last season, 56-game regular season, and you're only playing division opponents for just one season, that was kind of unique. But I am now enjoying the fact, just knowing that the Rangers are eventually going to play every single team in the NHL this season. So, So that was just kind of a random thought that I had, like I said, and maybe some of you feel that way as well. But I want to talk about how this game ended, and then we'll get into some of the finer details as well. But the game goes into overtime, three on three. Like we mentioned in the intro, it's always kind of a crapshoot, and it's basically anybody's game at that point. And unfortunately, the Stars scored on a rush in overtime to get the win. So Panarin has the puck in the attacking zone, and Miro Heiskanen kind of knocks it away from him. It goes to Jamie Benn, and Jamie Penn passes forward to Heiskanen, kind of springs him on something of a two-on-one, although Heiskanen is quite a bit ahead of Tyler Sagan on this play, and Heiskanen goes up the right side, and he shoots, and he puts the puck over the blocker of Igor Shesterkin to score top shelf on the far side of the net, and... So for starters, you get a turnover by Artemi Panarin, and then you have Igor Shesterkin 
giving up the game-winning goal on a shot that he probably could have stopped. I'm not going to say it was easy, but Igor himself after the game, and you expect Igor to say this, but Igor said that he's got to make that save in that spot. And I don't know how great Jacob Truba played this either because he was the lone defenseman back for the Rangers. And like I said, it was something of a two-on-one, but it wasn't a prototypical two-on-one break because Heiskanen was quite a good distance ahead of Tyler Sagan, like I was just talking about a second ago. And I don't know that Heiskanen ever really looked to pass on this play. I think he was going in to shoot, and Truba, you know, he's closing in on Heaskinen, but he's not getting over there as fast as I want him to. I think if Truba would have just 100% committed to Heaskinen and going over there and trying to stop the guy with the puck, that he might have been able to, you know, get his stick on the shot or put a body on Heaskinen, do something to disrupt this scoring opportunity. Because as the play was happening live, I was yelling, get over there, get over there. But unfortunately, Truba didn't do it. And I realize where Truba's coming from on this play, so I'm certainly not going to kill him. He wants to look to break up a potential pass if he's going opted to pass back and to his left to Tyler Sagan, who was also, you know, right there. But I don't think that that thought ever really entered Heaskinen's head. I mean, I saw him glance back for just a second, but Heaskinen was going to shoot this. And I know, again, on most two-on-ones, the defenseman wants to take away that pass, but I don't know how much of an option that pass was in that situation. Heaskinen certainly looked like he was going to pull the trigger, and I just wish that, that Truba could have gotten over there a little bit faster, maybe could have broken up the uh, scoring opportunity there. But not going to kill Jacob Truba. He had a pretty nice night for himself overall. He made a heck of a play, I believe, in the second period. This is when the Rangers were just finally starting to get their mojo going a little bit. But all in one motion, he put a big check on his man in the neutral zone, stole the puck, and then immediately dished up the center of the ice to spring Dryden Hunt on a breakaway. Hunt, unfortunately, was stopped by Braden Holpe uh, on that opportunity, but a nice play by Jacob Truba there. And we got to talk about this second period in general, because this is where the Rangers really kind of took control of the game you know, sometimes we'll use the expression that the ice was tilted. The ice was basically vertical in the Rangers' favor from, like I said, about five or six minutes into the second period until basically the rest of the game there, uh, just scoring chances galore. And interestingly, it was a scoring opportunity that did not lead to a goal that ended up uh, giving the Rangers a big-time momentum boost. We saw an instance where they were down 2 to nothing. They needed a spark, and Artemi Panarin goes in there on the forecheck, steals the puck right away from his man, weaves around a defenseman like he's standing still, and then slides a pass to his right to Ryan Strom. You would have thought that this would be a goal for sure, just watching this play develop. Uh, Braden Hopi did make an excellent glove save to Rob Strom on the doorstep, but this is the play that kind of gave the Rangers a little bit of a jolt, and they played much, much better after this happened. But that also leads me to something else that I wanted to talk about, because our Artemi Panarin, and I tweeted this out during the game last night, no fewer than five times this season has put the puck right on a tee for one of his teammates, and it has yet to lead to a goal for the New York Rangers. It ended up being six. There was a sixth instance after this later in the game where Panarin passed to his right to Capo Caco on the rush. Caco rang one off the post. I'm not going to kill Caco there either because if that shot is, you know, a millimeter to the left, it might deflect off the post and go in. And really on that play, I mean, it felt like the puck basically defied physics because if you watch that shot by Kako there, it hits the inside of the near post and somehow, instead of bouncing into the net, goes bouncing back in the other direction. I mean, I got to believe if this shot is just the smallest of margins to the left, it's bouncing off the post and going into the net. So just bad luck there. But you would like to see the Rangers start to convert a couple of these scoring opportunities. There were a couple of instances on opening night where this happened as well. Artemi Panarin just teeing up a teammate and just 
having it not lead to a goal. Now, Panarin did end up getting his first assist of the season a little bit later in this game on a goal by Adam Fox. It was a secondary assist. Panarin to Lindgren to Adam Fox. Fox takes a shot from the blue line, and it goes in. Capocacco was there providing a screen, and so that got the Rangers back into the game, really got them rolling 8.43 into the second period there, and uh, we will continue talking about the other Ranger goal and a couple other talking points to come out of this game in just a second here, but first, I wanted to let you guys know that today's episode of Lockdown New York Rangers is brought to you by Bet Online. We are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, so as for the Rangers' second goal, this one came from Chris Kreider, his second of the season, and it nodded the game at 2-2 two to two late in the second period, about four minutes or so to go in the second period when Kreider scored here. But just a blue-collar, hard-working goal, and a goal that came as the result of just throwing the puck at the net. And I again, I don't want to come on here and be that guy that just screams shoot, shoot, shoot constantly. I mean, we've probably all been there. We've probably all done that as Ranger fans, as hockey fans in general. But I think in a game like this, you know, you saw a couple of the Ranger power play opportunities early in this game, and there was just so much passing around the perimeter you know, I think the Rangers did a decent job at least keeping the puck in the Dallas zone, maintaining possession and all that good stuff. But what good does it really do if you're not creating any scoring chances out of it? And I think there were too many times in this game, really the first two games, where the Rangers, especially on the man advantage, were looking for that perfect play rather than just cutting it loose and throwing it at the net. And sometimes you got to be a little selfish. We talked about that in the past as well. Uh, this goal by Chris Cryer did not come on the man advantage, but it goes back to what I was saying about just play the puck at the net. Both of these Ranger goals that were scored last night came as the result of a player basically just moving the puck in the general direction of the net. And on this one, the Rangers were really working their tails off, really getting their noses dirty in the Dallas zone. This came during that stretch in the second period where the Rangers were just thoroughly dominating. And because Ibanejad brings the puck up around the boards, he passes back to Keandre Miller. And Miller does what I think a lot of us were looking for the Rangers to do in general, and that is, once again, just throw the puck at the net. Chris Kreider is there for the redirection, tips at home, ties the game at two. Chris Kreider's second deflection goal in as many games to start the season. So we'll keep our fingers crossed that uh, this indeed turns out to be Chris Kreider's breakout season. And I'm not going to be one of those guys. Don't worry. I'm not going to be one of those guys that comes on here and talks nonstop about his fantasy team. But Chris Kreider just so happens to be the lone New York Ranger that I drafted in the Locked On New York Rangers Fantasy Hockey League. So obviously that was good news for me as well. But something else that I'm sure kind of caught everybody's eye last night was the lone in-game lineup change that the Rangers made, and that was flip-flopping Alexi Lafreniere and Barclay Goodrow. Goodrow moves from the third line up to the top line, Lafreniere from the top line down to the third line, and Gerard Gallant was asked about making that move after the game, and this is what he had to say about it, talking about Barclay Goodrow here. I like to move him around when things get a little stale for us. Sometimes we try and get too cute, and he's one of those guys that simplifies things and the other players follow. And listen, I can't really argue with the move because no sooner had that adjustment been made that the Rangers actually started playing quite a bit better. I believe 
the first time that we saw Gaudreau on the first line was right at the start of the uh, second period there and took the Rangers about five or six minutes like we've been talking about. But once they got going, they really got going. I thought Lafreniere, you know, he looked all right on that third line with Heedle and with Gautier. But yeah, I mean, the, the move paid off one way or another. I mean, you could say maybe it was just a coincidence, but one way or another, that's when the Rangers found their mojo and really got going. I would imagine going forward, you'll see Lafreniere back on the top line, Barclay Goodrow back down on the third line. But for one night at least, it did seem to give the Rangers a little bit of a spark, and it could be an option that Gallant goes back to again at some point in the future, judging by his postgame comments last night. And as far as a couple of positives to take out of these first two games, I know it's a couple of losses, but that's not to say that there haven't been some good things. Uh, for starters, you guys know a stat that I always pay a lot of attention to is face-off success rate. And in the opener against the Caps, the Rangers won 61% of their face-offs. And against Dallas last night, they won exactly half of their face-offs. And they got a lot better as the game progressed against the Dallas Stars last night because they were getting absolutely obliterated in the face-off circle in the first period. So to finish the night at 50%, uh, pretty good. Pretty good the rest of the way for the Rangers. And then, of course, the other stat that I think everybody is going to have their eyes on this season. You know, there's so many Ranger fans that want this team to be bigger, more physical, tougher, all that good stuff. They out-hit the Caps 27-12. to on opening night. And then against the Stars last night, they once again win in the hit department by quite a comfortable margin, 32-23. to 23. So that was nice to see as well. And you just hope that all these things start to translate to wins for the Rangers. Uh, something else that I have to talk about that's not so much of a positive is the Rangers on the penalty kill thus far. Now, it should be noted that the Rangers got off to a slow start in the penalty kill department last season as well, and then ended up with one of the better PKs in the league. Although, I mean, I guess you could say that the Rangers got off to a slow start in just about everything last season, but hopefully the Rangers can clean this up sooner rather than later. I mean, the Stars only went one for two on the power play last night, so it's not like they got absolutely killed by it, uh, but the Caps were three for six on opening night, so batting 500 on the power play, or on the penalty kill rather, uh, that's not going to get it done, and obviously we hope the Rangers uh, can step things up in that department. I don't have any issues as far as who's on the penalty kill. It's most of the usual suspects. Capo Caco's been out there a little bit, which has been a little bit of a surprise. Uh, he had a play on opening night where it didn't seem like he was in very good position and it led to a goal for the Capitals. So he might still be getting used to playing on the PK. Uh, he got a minute on the penalty kill in this game against the Stars last night. But beyond that, it's basically everybody that you would expect. You've got Mika Zibanejad playing a ton of time on the PK. You've got Barclay Goodrow out there. He was out there for a minute 41 last night, as was Kevin Rooney. So I think, you know, a lot of these guys who either were on the Rangers last season in the case of Mika Zibanejad and Kevin Rooney, we know these guys are good penalty killers and they should be able to lead this unit to, you know, another pretty strong season here. Guys like Barclay Goodrow, obviously he wasn't here last year, but he's somebody who can do a good job on the PK. And then as far as the defenseman, I mean, you had Patrick Patrick Nemeth out there for a minute 52. That led all defensemen. Uh, Jacob Truba, a minute 26. And Fox and Lindgren each with a minute and 19 seconds. And then Ke'Andre Miller with 26 seconds. Niels Lundqvist did not play on the penalty kill. But I think better days are certainly ahead for this penalty kill unit. And of course, part of the reason that they've struggled is they went against the Capitals. And the Capitals have a ton of firepower and a power play that pretty regularly, I think, is going to finish in the top five in the league. So hopefully uh, this unit can bounce back and no power play goals. I mean, hopefully not a whole lot of power plays in general for the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday night, but if they get any, hopefully this unit can do what they do and uh, kill them off. I also thought that the fourth line of the Rangers had a pretty nice night last night. They seemed to spend pretty much the entirety of every shift that they had playing on Dallas's side of the rink. I don't know that a whole lot of quality scoring opportunities came out of it, but they were out there pretty much asserting their will, making life very, very difficult for the fourth line and throwing hits, you know, and that's what you want from your fourth line. Reeves ended up with four hits. Uh, Dryden Hunt had three 
Kevin Rooney had two. And while we're talking about hits, might as well also mention the fact that Chris Kreider led the way with seven and Jacob Truba had five. But overall, I thought that was a pretty nice night for the Ranger fourth line there, guys. They're going to go out and uh, throw their weight around. They did that even without Sammy Blay, who was obviously off to a pretty nice start for the Rangers in the preseason. But yeah, definitely like what I'm seeing from that fourth line thus far. Something else that I want to talk about real quick here before we kind of call it a day is Charlie McAvoy gets an eight-year extension with the Boston Bruins worth $9.5 million per season. You might initially hear that and think, well, what does that have to do with the Rangers? But I think some of you probably know where I'm going with this. Obviously, Adam Fox is going to have to be paid by the New York Rangers at some point. That's just a simple fact. And McAvoy actually just eclipsed the contract that Kale McCarr get. Kale McCarr is getting $9 million per season from the Colorado Avalanche. McAvoy tops that. He's, it'll be eight years for $9.5 million a pop. And so given that that's the case, McAvoy kind of sets the new gold standard here. And you got to figure that Adam Fox is going to be well within his right to ask for more than that because... McAvoy got more than McCarr. I mean, McCarr was a Norris Trophy finalist last season. McAvoy was not, and McAvoy got more than McCarr. And Adam Fox was, as we all know, the Norris Trophy winner last season, which obviously goes to the best defenseman in the league. And given that Adam Fox is rightly acknowledged as the best defenseman in the league, he would be well within his asking right to asked to be the highest paid defenseman in the league as well. We'll see what happens. Maybe he gives the Rangers a little bit of a break, just as Mika Zibanejad did a couple of days ago here. But yeah, I mean, now with McAvoy getting eight years, nine and a half million a season, I think you're looking at a situation where Fox is probably going to have to get at least $10 million a season over eight years. And it is a lot, but I would have no issues with that whatsoever. Adam Fox, obviously an elite defenseman, an elite player in this league, and you got to believe the Rangers are going to do everything they can to make sure they get him locked up long-term and he doesn't go anywhere. But just wanted to kind of share that little bit of news there and how it affects the Rangers and Adam Fox going forward. And the final thing that I wanted to hit on here before we call it a day is Henrik Lundqvist makes his debut at the MSG desk. You know, he was there between periods offering his analysis. He was there with uh, Steve Valaket was the other analysts that they had, and obviously a little bit of a reunion there from their playing days with the New York Rangers. But I thought Lundqvist did a really nice job, you know, and you would think that he would. He's pretty cool, calm, and collected to begin with. But I thought he had a pretty strong debut night there and looking forward to uh, hearing his analysis going forward as the Rangers continue this season here. But like I mentioned, the Rangers are going to be back in action in Montreal against the Canadians on Saturday night. We really need to get a win here, get this season off the ground, so to speak. Uh, that will do it for today, though. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. On Monday's episode, we will be talking about whatever happens between the Rangers and Canadians on Saturday night. Now make your second listen, Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Host Scott Cullen leans on his decades of fantasy hockey insight and experience every day to help you be the expert of your fantasy league. It is free and available on all platforms.